Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 7 and 8 of The Great Hunt, Blood Calls Blood, and The Dragon Reborn. Enjoy. All right, season two, episode four. Um, getting right, going right along uh, in this book. I think I feel like we're going faster pace, even though we're not. Um, just because I don't know, it seems like time's going by faster now. It seems like it took forever to get to, uh, you know. And, and we're still in Faldar, so I guess we haven't got that far into the book. But I don't know. It's just me. Um, I don't know about you guys. I, I think it's because the story's moving faster and. Once you got past the first two chapters of this book, like every chapter so far has been pretty intense. Yeah, so. like I mentioned before, yeah, like I mentioned before, the pacing on this book is really good. Um, not all of the books in the, in the 15 books that we're going to read are this good of pacing, but Great Hunt is up there. Um, and some are just as good, some are definitely poor, but and we'll get to those later. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, this is this is this is a fun one. They're still good. I mean, like. So, you know, you take about like, the, you know, people complain about like some of the books are really, really uh, bad, but I don't consider them bad. It's just that the rest of them are so great that you have a, a, I don't know, a book that's a eight instead of a 10 and the eight seems like a three, you know, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. you read so many books and then you have a book that's still like in comparison to other books, a great book, like other fantasy books, that's just compared to the other wheel time books is not so yeah anyway I so that's what my like ex-girlfriends must think i mean once they've dated me like what why are they even why date anymore right like, <laughs> at 10, I'm like you, this is getting you, edited phase that's, 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 that, that's how they that's how they all think i trust me and I, I, yeah. <laughs> anyways moving on um so we do have one new patron uh, that's sean griffiths um uh, like to, he just joined today so thank you and welcome to our patreon team uh we're happy to have you on board and uh thank you for for contributing to us monetarily um Yay. and for anybody who is listening to this podcast next week we do live recordings every single week uh, those are now patreon only um so you have to at least subscribe to the minimum tier um it's a dollar a month um that's what that is and then if you missed tonight and you still want to catch it tomorrow if you did miss the live recording there's a second tier it's five dollars a month that you get you know next day releases of episodes so um anybody that second tier will get um uh, uh, the, the episode tomorrow so everybody else has to wait a whole week um and normally during our live recordings we do cut out from time to time that gets edited out little behind the scenes. Um, so most people, it's better just to have the second tier. But you can have the first tier. That's okay, too. Or you can have no tier. I, I'm happy with you guys just listening to us without being patrons. Um, without being patrons. But um, if you feel so inclined, we'd love to have you give to us. So other than that, um, I announced on Twitter today that when we hit, when we hit 1,000 followers, we can do another giveaway for that. We're kind of marching towards the number. I mean, we're about 20 followers from 700. So it's still a little ways to go, but I figured that much. And then the part of the one will hit sooner because we're definitely raising the downloads a lot faster. I was going to do a giveaway at 10,000 downloads. 
Um, we're, we blew past the 8,000 download mark um, <laughs> and we'll end up with 9,000. So that one will probably be in August where we'll give away another book. Um, and then uh, the 1,001, who knows? Maybe we'll blow up on Twitter. We'll see. Um, yeah. So Yay. Uh, it, it, people have enjoyed their books they've received. I've gotten some good feedback from that. Um, there is some international shipping problems sometimes. I'm still working with one person to try to get them the book. International shipping's fun. So uh, we'll get them the book. One way or another, they will get a book. I guarantee it. Uh, it's just, it might take a while. It might be several tries. Apparently <laughs> disappear. I think I think someone in like the overseas packing just likes little time, so they keep on stealing the books. Um, and the overseas, you know, that's probably what it is. Um, so as far as personal life goes, not a whole lot new with me. Um, one of the big things that happened this weekend that kind of just threw a big wrench in my entire weekend was – randomly Saturday morning, I wake up and uh, it's really hot in my, in the room. Um, I'm sweating. There's no air moving and I realize it's really quiet. So I immediately try to turn a light on and there's no power. So I look out the front window and the neighbors across the street have power. And my next door neighbor has power and everybody else has power. So I look at my backyard where our power line is and a big giant branch fell at our power line and knocked it out. So the power truck company took a sweet time. So, um, you know, after about, I don't know, eight hours without power, we finally got uh, eight or 10 hours, we finally got power back. But we ended up spending the entire day actually at my parents' house just because we got little kids and it was like a 100-degree day. He and, had to. That's our, that was yeah. our hottest week so far. Like it was blistering yeah. hot. Heat index was well so, over 100. Yeah. So um, like well over 30, I guess, uh, 32 would be Celsius 32. Would that be 32? Oh, are we supposed to figure that out? I don't know if we're supposed to figure that out. Are they supposed to go compare it themselves? We're Americans. We use the the, the freedom units. I don't know. That's that's what the F stands for. (laughs) Is it 30 temperature or is it 37? 32 or 37? 37. Maybe it's 37. I don't know. Okay, so maybe just... Weird. (laughs) Oh, Canada. (laughs) Um, this is this is how much we know about the metric system as Americans. Like nothing, we just guess. Um, yeah, forty's hot. Okay, so maybe forty degrees. That that sounds about right. It was hot. <laughs> <laughs> so went to my parents' house. They had AC. It's nice. Um, yeah. What about you guys? Uh, nothing too exciting. I think last time I left you guys, we were camping. Well, glamping. We were in a cabin at a campsite. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. Um. You know, my kids, uh, some of their cousins, uh, s'mores, fishing, swimming, the whole shebang was a good time. Um, And then my kids, they spent the weekend with their mom. And I I was going to do something like that first night. I was like, hey, Alan, you want to hang out? And he's like, yeah. And then two hours later, I messaged him. I was like, nope, I'm going to sleep. I am tired. So I went to bed early Friday night. Uh, slept like forever, 12 hours plus. And then when I woke up the next day, I was like, I'm not going to be productive. I'm going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day long. And I did that and I don't feel guilty. And it was fantastic. And I feel like I needed a day to recuperate. I mean, my boys, they're young, so they're just going a million miles an hour. And me keeping up with them, even halfway keeping up with them just wears me out. So uh, the weekend was lazy. Uh, they came back Sunday night, and we've just been kind of easing back into our shenanigans again. Nothing, 
I don't know. We went to Fort Monroe the other day, saw some dolphin. That was exciting. Well, that's about it. Now we're back out at the river. And you didn't Saturday, not just that, go drink. We, yeah, we did I didn't Saturday totally night, bail. So I, I, I did the rain check, yeah. and we went Saturday night. And that was fun, too. <laughs> uh, I stayed busy. I had a bunch of class stuff to get done, and that was about it. Um, helped out with church. We're revamping some things and looking at some other ways of reaching out to people. And then helped a friend move some stuff, and it was you know, also busy that I decided to not wear my shoes with my inserts. Instead, I decided to wear Crocs. Horrible idea because on Sunday, I missed a step and I caught myself perfectly fine. But because I had no real support under my feet, I jarred something. And so I've been on bed rest for the last couple of days. Well, I've been in therapy at my chiropractic office, um, getting my back mm. back into a condition to where I could I can sit because right now I can't sit down. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Yep, I can lift yeah. hundreds of pounds, but oh, man. you know, wear the wrong shoes and this is stuff, then totally out of commission. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I threw them away. Don't, Literally, don't I, I, I walked in like, <laughs> I bet you weren't wearing your shoes, were you? That's my chiropractor. He's like, I bet you weren't wearing your shoes, were you? I'm like, maybe. She's like, what were you wearing? I was like, uh, I may have been wearing my Crocs. She's like, you mean the ones I told you to throw away almost a year ago? I'm like, yeah. She's like, all right, bring them in. <laughs> and I brought them in, and she threw them in the garbage for me. Because Chris doesn't like to throw things away. <laughs> oh, wow. So that takes care all of right. that. So when I say this, I'm not comparing you to a little kid, but I swear three times this summer so far, um, my dad's road, it's, it's, not a, it's a private road, so it's all gravel. It's pretty rural here. My four-year-old will put his flip-flops on, and then he'll be like, I'm going to run down the road. And I'll say, you know, buddy, running in flip-flops is probably a bad idea. You should put your shoes on. And he goes, I'll be fine. <laughs> and he starts sprinting every single time he face plants and comes back <laughs> screaming and crying. And he goes, oh, my gosh, what happened? I'm like, what do you mean what happened? You were just running in flip-flops. Like, <laughs> This was going to happen. I don't feel sorry for you. Just, you know, walk off. You'll be all right. <laughs> I, still, I still love you, Chris. So hopefully you didn't nope. take that the wrong way. <laughs> I, I never take that the wrong way. I'd yeah. much rather be compared to a kid than an adult any day. Because okay, at least good. then I can claim innocence. There you go. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the prediction part. So I got a few predictions uh, from last time, and you guys feel free to chime in with anything that you uh, might have um, uh, thought of that I missed or whatever. But here's a few that, that stuck out to me: is one, parent is a werewolf. That's a it's a previous prediction, but definitely came back up last episode. Um, Leandrin is Black Aja. Uh, Moraine is either Black Aja or working for the Black Aja, so pretty much everyone's now Black Aja again, or Dark Friends again. Um, and, and pretty much, uh, and also uh, Moraine stole the horn. That was another <laughs> she guys had. And, uh, and she has in her back pocket, apparently. And then uh, everyone freed Fane. I said everyone because you said Perrin did, you said Moraine did, you said Lorenz did, I think you even said Bella did. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Where was Bella? Where was Bella? Um, oh, we know it, it was. was definitely Bella. She's a food, well, food fan. Um, for our listeners, okay. Uh, there's a common theme here. Don't judge Chris and I for our predictions last week. Clearly, what Jordan was doing to us was making us doubt ourselves and everybody in the book. So, I I plead the fifth. One, two, three, four, five. So one other thing I missed before we get into chapter seven, um, I just, I would be at fault not to mention this as well, because by the time this comes out, I think we'll only have one week left. Yeah. So by the time this episode comes out, you won't be able to hear the next one until that. So I have to, I have to mention in this one. So <clears throat> we, we are doing a marathon content creator thing. Um, I was going to call it a podcast-a-thon, but it's going to be on Zoom. I think it's going to be on YouTube. YouTube streaming. I'm not 100% sure on that, but it, um, it's it, it's going to be a, it's definitely a Zoom thing. It's 24 hours of Wheel of Time content creators. Um, uh, the Wheel of Time podcast, uh, Twatcast, is putting it on. Um, it's for the benefit of CyberSmile. It's the name of the organization that we're raising money for. Uh, they're a, a organization that's trying to stop our end cyberbullying. It's a really good cause. Um, hope you guys can check it out. Yeah, so... Um, so it's a really good cause, and um, it, it's going to be like I said, twenty four hours. We have like an hour segment that that we're going to um, uh, be contributing on. But I know other content creators, like the Black Tower, is going to be on there. White Tower, uh, Daniel Green, uh, Harriet McDougall, um, Harriet from uh, Robert Jordan's uh, 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 widow, oh, wow. is going to be on it as well. So it's uh, yeah. So it's it's going to be kind of a kind of a big deal. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but it, like I said, it's going to be 24 hours. So um, I think it starts at 8 p.m. on that Friday night, the 20, July 24th, and runs to 8 p.m. that Saturday, July 25th. So pretty much you're all throughout the night in the wee hours in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. There's going to be someone out there presenting, hopefully not us. Um, <laughs> I have requested uh, uh, better time slots, but they're kind of just trying to pick and choose. So I don't know what time slot we have yet. I'll let you guys know as soon as I do. I'll let you know on Twitter and on the Discord server. Uh, once we know when, what slot we have, but it'd be a fun thing to check out. Um, uh, fun thing to, uh, um, um, uh, if, if you guys feel like stay up 25 hours straight, I probably won't see all of it, but, um, <laughs> but I know some diehard fans will probably want to, you know, pace themselves, get lots of sleep and, and try to do the whole thing. It's going to be a marathon, a lot of fun. So looking hey, forward to that. Uh, it's for a good cause. So, um, um, like I said, I yeah. know he mentioned it was zoom. And we were talking about it before, but it didn't click. But that means people will see us, which means we probably ought to be in costume of some sort, or at least just have <laughs> weapons hanging on the wall behind us, and we can act all casual, like, what, no big deal. I just got a bunch of axes and swords and, you know. You definitely have my battle axe. I mean, be like, yeah, that's Bella, whatever. We're just chilling. <laughs> you know, it'd be out. nice to have some product placement and have our mugs yeah. with us. Yeah, we got to think of something. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, we get uh, you know product and time. Um, I'll do sharp still working on it. But, but yeah, I, I, I like the way you think, though. Yeah, we definitely. Uh, I mean, I have a, I have like a, a, a mouse gun <laughs> that I can I can throw on or something. Like that. I definitely have my battle axe. How about that? Yeah. And maybe we can. Yeah, there you go. Can battle axe. So, yeah, we, uh, we can just mix it up. And... Those things. Ah, can't think right now. For my eyes, contact lenses. Oh, <laughs> I was like I would say thong. Well, I don't know. Oh, Where you? Oh. <laughs> well, <a> banana hammock. <laughs> <laughs> a boa. 
pink. Uh, depends on how much alcohol. It depends on our time slot. So if we have a if we have a nice afternoon time slot, probably won't be drunk. If we have a oh, eleven yeah, o'clock till one o'clock in the morning time slot, we're we're gonna, gonna, uh, <laughs> we can all show up at Alan's ding, house ding. and light the fire and dance around the fire while we're on Skype. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll do all sorts of crazy shenanigans. I have asked people on our Discord as well to um um uh to to ask us what we should talk about. So. Um, I, I'm assuming there's going to be a live chat too, just like the Dusty Wheel has. Um, so maybe we can just field questions from there. I don't know. We, I, or we <laughs> might just do like we do everything else and swing it. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably what we'll end up doing. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, so let's go ahead and move right into these chapters because these chapters are good. Um, and I took tons of notes, even though they're not that long, because um, there's just so much to talk about so chapter seven blood calls blood uh the icon is the wheel of time symbol um and yeah so let's talk about the chapter title it's probably one of the most ominous chapter titles that we've had so far i i like that we talk about it briefly before we read because um i i've i've learned that obviously after i read and i go back and talk about the title and the symbol like i cheat and obviously I'm influenced by what I've read. Um, like I, I mentioned before, I was pretty excited about continuing to read. Like I, I went straight into reading uh, after the last um, recording. But Blood Calls Blood, uh, it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be, but it was better than what I thought it would be. And it makes more sense. Like it reminded me that I'm a moron sometimes and I overthought that one. Um Essentially, it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's there's a little something in not just Rand's DNA, but some other main characters, and they have a part to play, and it's because they are who they are, and yeah. And we have a nifty song or poem mm-hmm. or whatever it is to go along with it, so pretty cool. Can't really say yeah. it any better than that. You did a phenomenal job. I mean... <laughs> these these you know the fact that we're getting so much depth and detail in book two chapter seven if nothing else chapter titles and chapters like this just make me wonder how can it really get any better like you know i'm like how is there such a huge following of 14 books like it just seems it blows my mind so i i'm it just really excites me to see where we go and how far down the rabbit holes we go. And I, I, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're just scratching the surface yeah. now. I mean, like you said, book two, chapter seven. Uh, we're, we're yeah, just, it's like already. We'll just like, get we into know it. this and we know that. And you are this and you are that. And it's like, Lord, where are we going with mm-hmm. this? <laughs> yeah. <we're- laughs> What else? We, yeah, what else is happening? So yeah, let's get right into it. So the chapter starts with uh, you know Matt leaving the ambulance, ambulance chamber. Um, um, he was healed somewhat, and they kind of uh, explained that you know said you know he will survive for now, but the daggers he needs the dagger back. Um, you know that that he's not going to die right away, but they've been able to prolong him dying without the dagger. At least for a time, but he will start to fade away. Again I will say and, this, this and will die if they do not find the dagger. Um, 
I kind of was hoping to get a sure. look into the healing process, like for something so big as them, you know, trying to remove more death from a person. I thought maybe we would see some ritualistic action of some sort. So I was a little disappointed by the end scene. Like we got to the cut scene at the end. We got no action. So that was well, just I could see that. So like like I kind of glazed over that, but one of your big questions really since we started this is how their magic works. Yeah. So what is derived that was a disappointment. Right. They've given us some hints, but then something like this, I don't even think of that. They really didn't get into the how. Um, and as Alan was kind of reading the synopsis, I asked myself the question in my head just now. I'm like, well, why is it even important that they have the dagger? But again, that goes into the how all this works, which they just skipped over it kind of quickly. Yeah, I mean, they, they do go into a little detail on that as we go in, but it's like, why is it important? What did they do? Like, yeah, it's just a minor detail, I guess. But for me, it was a major point because I'm more into the magic than anything else. So, yeah, yeah. Oh well. Yeah. So yeah. So now we get a description of Varen as well. So we we you know it goes goes you know shifts you know focus to her, um, our brown sister who's uh, you know she's a brown. Oh, well. Don't, don't say it like um, we learn a little bit she's more brown. The brown. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you what, uh, the Browns so far are winning my heart over. Um, <laughs> like I hope at some point they have a more significant role to play than just being academic and kind of nerdy and truth seekers. Like, um, but even if that's all they are, it's still wildly important. But well, here's um, a thought. I, well, I'll save it. I think she's going to play a bigger role based on this yeah. chapter and the interaction from the next chapter. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that she's but, going to go on an adventure with ooh. one of our heroes or potential heroes. <laughs> or okay. potential she's going to be the bean counter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Good deal. So that's a prediction yeah. now that Baron's yeah. going to be uh, on an adventure with our heroes. Or and and for those that okay. care, the bean counter we're is a life aquatic reference. Okay. If you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, go watch. Actually, watch it at least twice because the first time you'll probably just be like, why am I watching this? This is so dumb. And the second time you watch it, you're like, there's so much <laughs> hidden jokes in here. This is amazing. Um <laughs> So, yeah, watch Life Aquatic at least twice. Uh, but it's a great movie. Um, another good quotable movie. Um, so uh, you start learning a little bit more that, you know, the dagger, wherever it is, will start to corrupt everyone around it. So it's, it's really important to get the dagger back, not just for Matt's sake, but for the world's sake. Um, and, and Varence is more fascinated with how fast the dagger, you know, the evil will spread. Like, not caring at all that the whole world might end. Like, I wonder if we can study this. Oh, yeah, um, she's very real just, about it. She's like, it's too bad we don't have brown. the dagger um, so, we could, uh, <laughs> so the healing could be complete. For all we did tonight, he will not live long. Months, perhaps, at best. But she's just kind of like, eh. What, very yeah, back. Whatever. <laughs> I like her. But so 
the the way she yeah. like just thinks about the logic so, of it uh kind of leads Moraine um in into tweaking her plan because obviously there was a little twist here things didn't happen the way she wanted to at first Moraine thinks how will this affect matters he's not necessary with the horn gone and yet and then you know skip ahead a little bit Varen nodded but frowned at the same time yet even if it is found who can return it safely whoever touches it risks the taint if they handle it long perhaps in a chest blah 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 so like the knowledge, the truth seeking that the Browns do, it's vastly important. Um, and, and, you know, in these couple of pages, it kind of guides Moraine into, oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute. There, there's still a, there's still a role for Matt yet, you know? Yeah. And and they said that, you know, only Matt can probably safely carry the dagger, d- dagger because he's already attached to that dagger. Um, so obviously, you know, you can't look, it can be corrupted more, but, he needs it, and it does. There's no sense of having it attached to someone else, too. Like that's basically the point they're making. If he's already attached, well, it, might as well have to send Matt I, after for Chris's benefit, uh, um, because he does focus on the magic, even even though they didn't tell us exactly what happened. Uh, the reason for choosing Matt wasn't just because you know he's already touched it, but because of already, what already, the eyes that I have done for him. Yeah. Oh uh, gosh. What did they say? One whom we have shielded and buffered against that specific taint as much as anyone can be. Matt, Matt Calhoun. Mm-hmm. Right before that, though, let's not pull off the fact. This kind mm-hmm. of just shows you Moraine is like the all-knowing in our eyes, but at the same time, she's really missing some things here and there. Um, there's a statement she made. Moraine gave the brown sister a weary look. Another danger confronts us, and she sounds as if it is a puzzle in a book. Light. The Browns truly are not aware of the world at all. Then we must find that, you know, that right there is like, <laughs> okay, the Browns are aloof to the world. And then all of a sudden, the Brown gives us the biggest surprise. So, Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, this next scene, Amberlin, the ambulance seat, uh, Swan, um, dismisses Varen. Yes, yeah, so I want to speak to Maureen alone. You can leave now, but Baron just stands there. It's like, I'm not leaving. Um, she's like, um, actually, I need to talk to you more because I have to tell you the translation of the script that was on the wall. Um, it was done in neater handwriting. A lot of it was. Some of it was Trolloc, but there was a dark, you know, we, we've been fascinated with studying the dark prophecy. You know, we've heard about um, the Koreathon cycle and the prophecy of the dragon, but apparently the, the dark one has their own set of prophecies too. So, you're getting this kind of story like, you know, where it's different sides of the prophecies and some of it, you know, not one might be correct. You know, you know, it's one of these things where bits and pieces might be correct between the two. So they're important to study and they don't often um, uh, hear the dark prophecies. So the chance to actually translate some, it's really fascinating. And and when, when Varen points it out, uh, this is what I, I, Underlined and asterisked, the Amberlin hesitated only a moment before nodding. Prophecies from the shadow, dark prophecies, had an unfortunate way of being fulfilled, as well as prophecies from the light. And then she said, read it to me. <laughs> so as, as annoying as they might think Varen is at the time, for right. whatever <clears throat> disappointing reason, because she's giving good info and is super smart. Uh, like once she points it out, it sinks in and the Amberlin's like, oh, wait, yeah, this we need to know this. Give us, give, give us the intel. 
So yeah, so now we get the this the long prophecy, and I I, I wrote down some notes, and you guys might want to uh, correct me or go back and say things, but you know it starts with the dawn of the night is walking again amongst us. She seeks a a, a new lover. She seeks um, uh, the shining walls um, will kneel, um, and the man who can channel stands alone. Blood calls blood. Um, you know, he just keeps on going on and on and on and much different, such different things, but just thoughts overall of hearing this initial, uh, and there's tons of it that we can pick apart here. So, um, if you guys want to go line by line and kind of talk about each one of them, well, take it from the beginning. It's like, Darth that, but uh, night, it's a lot. She walks again, the ancient war, but the, the comet, her new lover, she seeks who shall serve her and die yet serve still. So she she has almost that same connotation as Bialzaman. It's like she's going to pick her servants, and those people will serve her even in death. So like, what gives her the same power over death that he has? Right. And, and we learned that Daughter of the Night was a nickname for Lanfear, who is one of the Forsaken, and might have been the most powerful Forsaken. And before Luz Theron. I uh, met Ileana, uh, his wife, who he killed, you know, <laughs> prologue of the first yeah. book that we saw where he's crying out for Ileana and sees his wife dead. Um, so that made me think for all that, Lanfear was Luce Theron's lover. As a lover. That was later on yeah. in this reading that thought came to my mind. But, well, even just reading this blip, I thought Rand or Perrin, sure. because we've been teased jokingly. Um, about their interactions with women and every time they have an interaction, both of them think about how they wish the other could be there sort of thing. Um, but but they're the ones that, from a literary point of view, were kind of primed as candidates. Um, and, and they also both have very unique and redonkulously strong powers uh, that could benefit this Forsaken. I want to know what the Shining Walls are or what the references right. to. For me, it's, with the statement the way it is, the shining walls shall kneel. I, I just do we talk about shining walls anywhere beyond how far? I think we have. Yeah, I think we talked about shining walls. Thank you, Tarvalon. So a lot of people wonder whether or not she was a black Aja. Yeah, Tarvalon. Like maybe she was one of the greatest. I was going to say the blackest of Asha because she's pretty daggone powerful and Landfear? a forsaken, which there are few. Yeah. Maybe that's pretty intense. Started. Or maybe she wasn't mm-hmm. even a black at the time. Maybe she is the first. Yeah. I don't know. That was just a thought that I had. But then the whole blood feeds blood, blood calls blood, blood is and blood was, yeah. blood shall ever be. That part, I'm just like, it's a little weird. Well, it's very much like a prophet, or very yeah. much like a chant, you know, like almost like a religious text, you know, like, yeah. Um, I, I mean, if, if you look at prophecies or anything like that, you know, having these cadences, like so almost in, in, so in the beginning, like almost like poetry, um, you know, they have those kind of things about it. You know, a lot of uh, whether you take religious prophets and, and prophecies or if you go, they have kind of a poetic aspect to it. Or even if you take uh, something like a Notre Dame, which is not religious. That's another prophecy type thing, you know, where people can say whether it's true or not. Um, I, I think it's not true camp, but, but um, you know, all of this, he wrote in, in, in Cantus's, uh, where, where he wrote in, in the poetry of his form. 
Um, I think that it's tied in really well together because yeah. when I look at the second stanza, the man who channels stands alone. He gives his friends for sacrifice. Two roads before him, one to death beyond dying, one to life eternal. Clearly, it's talking, in my opinion, about Rand and the option that he has. Which will he choose? Which will he choose? What hand shelters? Mm -hmm. What hand slays? So, and then when you get to the blood, feeds blood, blood calls blood, blood is blood, and so on and so forth. It's kind of saying that, you know, they have a, a choice, or he has a choice to make. And will he, you know, kind of align with his brothers in the sense that, like, will he, though he was not Monetherin, will he go fall in line with that frame of thought? Or, and, you know, team up with his boys? And will he remain friends? Or will he go to his deeper roots and become the dragon reborn and feed into that? You know, that blood is and blood was and blood shall ever be is kind of just in my mind now saying, like the prophecy is saying, he was the dragon, is the dragon, will always be the dragon reborn. So, yeah. in the event that it's actually about him, because we don't know, but that's wrong. But he has choices. <laughs> which will he? Which will he choose? And but but that's promising for us mm -hmm. because when you look at you know the blood feeds blood, blood calls blood, blood is blood was yada yada yada. If it was just that, then you would think, okay, it's going to be some descendant, some relation, some connection to a previous dragon. Uh, and then they're just doomed to repeat the exact same process and be cursed in the exact same way. But, yeah, they, they float in there. Sorry, that's my fault. He has choices. So that, that's a good thing. He might be able to choose slightly different and have a significantly better or worse, depending on how he chooses outcome. And then you get some other characters that – one we actually had briefly mentioned last book, um, and the other one we had says so Lord Luke and Esau. Um, Luke is new. Uh, Esau was mentioned briefly. I think you guys actually made a prediction that Rand oh, was Esau. That's yeah. Lynn's nephew, right? Yeah. And then and Luke is 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 Tigraine's brother. We mentioned Tigraine as well. Uh, last book, she was the one that disappeared that was supposed to be the heir to the throne that Morgay yeah. and she disappeared. And then Morgay's um, and queen. Oh, Lance's cousin. Sorry. Someone correct, corrected me in, in chat. So Esam is, uh, is, is Lance's cousin. And Lord Luke was the brother of, of Tigran. So there's some stuff about them going to Shalgul or something like that. Um, and so the prophecies, they have a bunch of weird stuff. So I don't know what you guys' thoughts about that. I know it's just some characters that we've mentioned once, and Luke we've never mentioned before. And then, um, and then we go to the Watchers over the waves, and that the Ar Archer's armies have returned. Yeah, question mark. It's pretty um, Archer how these armies have returned. Names are brought up in this prophecy um, or in these writings because it's kind of forewarning, and this is the time of change has mm -hmm. come, which is just an interesting way of putting things. Yeah, and and. It, it, you a little backstory about Arthur's Hawkwind's conquest. You know, he conquered this entire continent that that this is on. But then he sent people over the ocean that never came back. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, no one knew. No one knew what was on the other side of the ocean. There was rumors and legend about what was on the other side, but no one had ever gone over there and come back. And Arthur Hawkwing sent actually his armies over there, but they never came back <laughs> either. So there's well. some. Yeah, he sent his sons. So, you know, they're they're worried, you know, all of Alter's descendants have been killed on this <laughs> continent, but maybe some are coming back. So I, I was optimistic about, when, when, they, when they talked about that because so far from what we know, even from Moraine, uh, it's that Rand is doomed because he needs to learn from somebody how to control it. But there's no one in their known world that is alive that can do it. But maybe there's someone that made this trip over there. Maybe there was knowledge that was passed on. Maybe there's even men that are able to channel um, and do it safely that can teach him. So I, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic here that there's hope for him, that someone will be able to teach him how to control this a little bit better instead of accidentally being drug along okay. by the power and doing crazy stuff and freaking out about it. No, Tom the White's going to come back and do that. Sure. Maybe it's Tom <laughs> the White. I love you, man. There you go. Goonies never say die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing they mentioned is the ancient tree, which they kind of think might be a Venusaur, um, but it doesn't make sense. It Even to them, it doesn't make any sense. And they're, you know, they're still trying to pick through each line. Eventually, Sawan, uh, the Amulet, loses her patience uh, and tells Varid, okay, this is enough. You can go now. Um, and Varid still doesn't leave. <laughs> she says, she picks out, the one who can channel must be one of the boys. Um, and Moraine and Sawan immediately <laughs> block her. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not drawing the power. Like, yeah. like, okay. Like, no, way, no better way to raise the red flag than to start pulling on your power. Against another Aes Sedai who clearly just is aloof to, or not aloof, but yeah. is 100% cognizant of everything that's going on. So it just made it even more awesome for me to see their reaction because here are two HBICs just like flipping out out of nowhere. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. I, I like, you mentioned it earlier how right. uh, the Amerlin and Moraine kind of brushed her off like, you brown eyes to die with, or your brown Aja with, you know, just being stuck in your facts and everything. None of this is important. Meanwhile, the whole time, Varen is playing them. Yep. Varen had suspicions and she was setting them up to see how they would react to confirm. <laughs> so, but she's my favorite man, character. I, I'm liking her. You you can't discredit these uh, brown Aja girls. Uh, she was pretty slick. <laughs> so. Definitely, definitely caught him in a little trap there. Mm-hmm. Like, well, your reactions pretty much confirmed what I was thinking. Yep. <laughs> so, so now Varen knows, and of course, their reaction is like, well, "Why aren't you running off telling everybody else?" So, okay. you know, we're kind of breezing by it, but there was good conversation about Lanfear. That's how you pronounce it. Did I say it right? The conversation Lanfear, yeah. really does lead me to believe that she had to have been an Aes Sedai at some point. So I'm just going to make that a definite prediction that we're going to find out that she was. And then even blood type mm-hmm. thing, maybe she was more than just like 
a lover. Maybe there was something that happened. Maybe she had some bastard child or something. Now that's me going way off, but with 14 books, I'm going to make wild predictions now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's where our blood of blood comes into play. (laughs) Well, okay. so I was thinking that I don't want to jump all the way back to the, the poem, the prophecy that we read. But you can't just look at it and think the blood of blood is referring to Rand or the new dragon. It could be, um, you know, descendants of all of these people that they reference. Like, yes, we have to worry about Lanfear coming back, but who might assist her in coming back or who might be an ally for her coming back? Like you said, there might be some sort of descendant out there that has a connection to her And, and all of these folks. I mean, the way this is written... Uh, it could all be about Ran. Uh, it could be, like I said, about every single one of them. It could be about none of them because they all have choices where they can choose to do differently. I mean, who knows? But I, I thought of that also. Like each one of them could have family connections down the generations that that come into play. <laughs> so then, moving back towards yep. the obvious, like, huh? Which one of these kids is the one? I thought for sure they were going to end her life. Yeah, I think that's the the tension you're supposed to think at this point. And um, you know, Varen justifies herself, says, "Well, I could have told everybody, but then you both would be stilled, and the man would probably be gentle." And Varen kind of figures it out, says, "Well, you know, if you're protecting him, he has to be the dragon reborn. So <laughs> we can't do that. So I'm on your side." And and they and they they pretty much even from a strategic um, standpoint have to keep her alive and have to keep her nearby because if somebody who thinks like her was able to see through what was going on so easily, they need to have that perspective on their side. No, if they're gonna I'm try not going to let you do that secret. to her. I'm not going to let you do that to her. This what? Was what a, am I doing? This was a 20 year <laughs> study for her. Yeah, they asked Varian, like, yeah. how'd you know? And this she says, well, I started suspecting it 20 years ago. I figured this out. <laughs> so, like, I love my my analytics. I love my studies. I love my research. I'm one of those people. And to know that this was a 20-year study just excites me because, like, they never go into her details. Like, they sit her down, and then it's like, Lord, I hate to do what we're going to have to do. And nothing happens. So I want to know all of the details, and I'm sure we'll never get them, but I want to know every instance that she studied, and I want to know how much more about them she realizes, and oh my goodness. It's like, oh, yeah, she Sharon, might, she why might... did you have to put your nose where it doesn't belong? That's my favorite quote, because I'm that type of person. Like, if I need to know something, I'm going to figure that shit out. And she just, oh, she was so great for that one. <laughs> yeah so 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 good point i don't want to belittle the the patience and effort and just the intelligence and and everything she put into this but i guess what i'm suggesting is hopefully this was a wake-up call to moraine and the Amerlin that they don't think the way the the brown aja do and perhaps hopefully they're recognizing that they've been too quick to dismiss them and that that is a, I'm doing air quotes now, threat <laughs> to their plan that they never considered before. Um, so I don't know. I Hopefully 
I'm, I'm giving Moraine and, and Aaron Little credit here. Hopefully they look at this and they go at the very least, like not only as this individual Varen wicked smart, but if Varen was able to figure it out and connect the dots, then it's possible that others could others that think like her could so that you sh- you should keep that type of perspective close by and use them as an advisor. You definitely should. Especially- they didn't keep, they didn't from a, mm-hmm. a strategic standpoint, they didn't actually identify her as a potential threat, even though she was ingrained in their life from before they were eyes to die. Like oh, the yeah. whole mention of the sweet cakes. Like this woman's oh, they been observing never you. Talk. So they underestimated her. So, you know, uh, the kind of ends with Marine, you know, like you said, saying, why do you stick your nose there and hoping that they can let her live? Um, you know, actually thinking about, you know, that we might have to do to vary. And then we switch to we switch characters. So before we do that, anything we missed on this section or anything else you want to talk about? There's a lot. There's a whole I, lot. I just I got the feeling that Varen is similar to Loyal in in the sense that uh obviously Varen's had more time to watch this unfold, right? But once they get to the point of kind of understanding what's happening. Uh, they may not know all the details of it, but they know something very significant is happening, and they just want to be a part of it, <laughs> and they want to see. Like they're they're kind of watchers and mm-hmm. gatherers of knowledge. And oh, she's already got her next experimental design put together. Like the questions are there: <laughs> When does the madness come exactly? How does it take him? How quick does it grow? Can he still function <laughs> with his body rotting around him for how long? Unless he is gentle. What will happen to the young man, whichever he is, will happen whether or not I am there to put down the answer. Like, she's already ready to go. So that's why I feel like (laughs) she's got a larger role to play because I think she's going to go (laughs) on the adventure with Rand. I hope she does. I said all that to say, I think she's going to become very vital to Rand and his conquering of the world as we move into the next chapter. Yeah. When we get to that <laughs> yeah. So now we switch to Perrin's point of view. Perrin's heading to check on his buddy Matt. Um, he gets there and sees Matt lying still in the bed, and Matt smells wrong. That's one thing he realizes immediately, and um, it kind of tells about where Perrin was the night of the attack. He was in the garden uh, <laughs> during the attack. He had gotten some fresh air, mm, so no, he like wasn't letting Shane out. Hey, Likely story. Come on, guys. <laughs> or so he says. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so he says. <laughs> and, and Matt wakes up, can't really remember much. You know, just says, you know, Gwen was there. Um, so we had to go to dungeons. Uh, and then, and then, Lan, Lan I, I always say Leanna. I know the, the new pronunciation is Leanna, according to the, the, the show. You say it however you want, but uh, I would keep on saying Leanna. So Leanna comes in. Um, and kind of starts flirting with Perrin a little bit. Um, you know, it's kind of this, this weird interaction. So let's well, talk about it. First off, that. I don't know that Matt woke up. I feel like he was just kind of sleep talking. Okay. Yeah. 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 Still kind of was, out of it. He was making words. Exactly. <laughs> and I really didn't. This interaction kind of bored me a little bit. Like, it was good, but at the same time, it was like, I don't know. Kind of boring. 
You're almost a pretty enough boy to make me wish I was a green, she said. But if you would have disturbed my patient, well, I dealt with your brothers almost, or I dealt with brothers almost as big as you before. I went to the tower. So you needn't think those shoulders will help you any. So yeah, she's definitely flirting. Like she's impressed by his size and his stature. But she's also saying, I'll put you in your place, so don't fuck with me. For lack of better words. (laughs) But I think it's really interesting is um, she called him healthy as a young wild animal. Like he tried to get by her, but she Mm -hmm. says she shot her hands out and grabbed his face, tilting it down so she can peer into his eyes. Something seemed to pass through him, a warm ripple that started at the top of his head and went to his feet and came back again. That concerned me. Okay. I don't know what if do you she think marked there? him. What's the term that they use? I can't think of the, term, the word right now. But like she marked him as her own or whatever. Like she made a connection with him so she could like track him and keep, keep tabs on him almost. It's kind of what it seems like. But then also, like we don't really know okay. the powers of these eyes to die. It seems like each one is born with some innate power. So maybe she's able to assess his health by staring into his eyes. Like that was a thought that came up to me because her very next comment was, "You're as healthy as a young wild animal." So I'm like, "But if you're born with those eyes, I'm a white yeah. which is hilarious." <laughs> So it's like maybe she she has some power that lets her like assess her her people, her patients. She scanned him. She raped his yep. mind. There you go. She was very quick yeah. to take advantage of him. She's very <laughs> physical and aggressive. I don't know. I like it like that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then then parent parent turns and lifts her up Where off the ground and moves her out of the way and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, incredible hawking. right yeah i don't know I, I think probably the 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 best uh way to get out of that very uncomfortable situation that she put him in um i mean you you already kind of mentioned some of the ways she was complimenting him but also I don't want to say threatening him, but she was trying to like, he was just trying to leave and she was trying to put him in his place a little bit about how, you know, physically you might think you're something, but you know, I'm not worried about you sort of thing. Uh, And then as you try to slide past, she puts her hands on him and whatnot. So very, very aggressive on her part and good for good on pairing for being I don't want to say the bigger person because physically he is, but uh, you know, other than just kind of bowing to her will, I mean, the only way he can continue on his way was to physically move her out of the way. It was pretty smooth, a little flirtatious. I think there's a little, yeah, little nudging a wink back and forth, but mm. but he didn't even know he was going to be able to do it. Yeah. Like he was surprised at his yeah. own strength and the fact that he could lift her to one side. Like he was shocked. So he's gaining in power yeah. as time goes. I don't, maybe maybe she's looking for a warder, and that's part of that that power, that rush that he felt through him was her testing him out. 
But we learned that they don't all Asadai don't take orders. Well, they, but maybe she's looking for. Be. You're right. She just we're find out. She just raped him with a little possess to see what he mm-hmm. can do. <laughs> so yeah, and the other thing too, I, I breezed over this. He does suspect uh, Leanna of, of lying as well, which he kind of gets confused because the Aes Sedai aren't supposed to be able to lie. So I don't know if you guys caught that or heard his internal oh, dialogue or monologue. <laughs> I did catch that he is sleeping. Uh, he, the oh, where is it? Excuse me. The pause made his hackles rise. She was he said he'll be somehow. like he said Matt, Matt will be uh, on the speed. She hesitated. He is sleeping is how he is. And in a few hours, he will get out of bed, and you'll think there was never anything wrong with him. So he said, you know, and it's something that, yeah. I hate to say it, I do this all the time. It's called giving a half the truth. Lies of omission. Like Lies of omission. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I, I never call it a lie, but that's me protecting my own kid. Yeah, like it's not technically a lie. I'm just not telling you the Mm -hmm. whole truth. And I (laughs) raised my kids this way and I judge people this way. A lie of omission is the same as a lie of commission. If it's intentional, if you're intentionally withholding, it's intentionally given a falsehood. So he's not wrong, probably, and accusing her of lying, but it's not a lie where she told a something that wasn't true it was intentionally holding something back that there's more to it than she's revealing i want you guys to all know that ian is a very good father (laughs) (laughs) and he is teaching his voice right well like he's for the record i gotta teach him the flip side because i was raised with tell the truth no matter what even if it gets you in trouble and that's great and all uh but but what, what I wasn't told is that doesn't always work out in your favor. <laughs> I I thought, exactly. man, man, if I do that, everything <laughs> always just work out easy peasy. But uh, a lot of times, because there's people that will take advantage of that, it uh, it causes you more problems. So, yeah. but it's, it's still worth doing. So I, I sleep See, better. I'm, I've been teaching my nephews business sense. <laughs> <laughs> and the one thing I told my nephew is like, they're, they were talking to their mom about some stuff and I hate to say it, but their mother's not the most trustworthy person, especially when it comes to money. I said, your mom doesn't have to know how much money you made. She just Mm -hmm. needs to know that you made money. She doesn't have to know that I put money in a savings account for you. She need only know that you have money to spend. Like, my nephew's like, but that's lying. I was like, yeah, it is. But it's also only telling part of the truth. So if it comes down to it, you can always fess up to the rest of it. And she can't be mad at you because all you did was admit part of the answer. And that's protecting yourself. Yeah. So, and it's horrible. I grew up that way. No, it's not. It's not the best way of living. It's not horrible. (laughs) We're going on a bit of a rabbit hole, like we're away from the reading. But uh, in addition to everything I said, that was the, the very short version. I also teach boundaries. And uh, we all know, I mean, gosh, we could all sit here and talk about how like some of the closest people to us or even family sometimes have caused the biggest problems in our lives and whatnot. So you can't just say, oh, it's a family member. You should be 100% telling them everything. You got to set boundaries with certain people depending on 
how they've acted in the past and, and whatnot. And you have to protect yourself, especially as you get older, as you're younger, be encouraged, you know, respect their elders and all that jazz. But as you get closer to adulthood and that preteen age, they need to start recognizing where to place boundaries and whatnot. So you're not, you're, you're not way off, Chris. Not at all. Don't feel bad about that. So the uh, parent makes his way uh, back into the room and Rand's lying in his bed. Yep. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think we switched to Rance. Yeah, never mind. We switched to Rance character now. Yeah, so Rance lying in his bed. Rance thinking about leaving, and he can't make up his mind. And and Perrin comes in, and, and Rand asks about Matt and Egwene. And um, and yeah, Perrin's still kind of, you know, <laughs> why don't you go check yourself? Yeah, still still upset with all the words that happened. Um, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Parents, parents, like, parents being a little, if little you're so interested. Why haven't you gone to see him yourself? Hurt. He's I hurt. I thought you weren't interested in us anymore. You said you weren't. He pulled open the door of his wardrobe and began rummaging through his clean shirts. It's like, well, I did go. It's like, well, t- too bad. Maybe you should try going back again. So <laughs> there was that exchange back and forth between the two. Yeah, uh, like I said, parents still really hurt by Rand. Um, Rant, Rant's trying to apologize, but Pan's not really accepting it because he's not able to fully apologize. You know, it's kind of this really interesting interaction. Well, so, he was like, I don't yeah. spend much time being witty. Is that the word? Witty with eyes to die, but then I'm only a clumsy blacksmith, and I might be in somebody's way, my lord. <laughs> so he's really like, he is yeah. definitely pissed off, and this is the first time we've really seen Pan in that way. This is probably the most dialogue that we've gotten out of him in in the two books so far. So mm-hmm. it's been quite interesting to see this exchange. He's, I think parents coming out of his shell just a little bit more. He's definitely not a block anymore. No. Yeah. We have moved far away from the blockhead yeah. that we once thought he was. <laughs> yeah, like I said, parents said, well, are you going to come with us then? And... Uh, or you know, can we leave together? And, and Rand says, you know, I can't. And Perrin just storms out. I'm alive. Like, Fine. He didn't take it. Um, yep. And a voice in the back of Rand's head says, well, you can go now. You know, and then a knock comes on the door. And, you know, Rand has this brief think, who is it? But then Land comes in. And it says, Amelie uh, mm-hmm. wants you now. <laughs> it's, it's time. Yeah, it is time. Um, and, you know, he immediately thinks, oh, crap, she knows. Um, and he says, I- I'm going to leave. I'm just going to leave now. And Lance's like, oh, you should have done it already. <laughs> uh, if you're going to leave, you should have done it last night. Um, but no one refuses a summons from the ANC, not even the uh, captain commander or lord commander of the White Cloaks. Uh, uh, you know, if you're summoned, you got no choice now. You're going. Pedro Miao might spend all the trip planning how to kill her, if he could do it and get away. But he'd come. <laughs> So yeah. But then Lan, of course, is like, do nothing. If Emerald is afraid of you, and it's smarter for you to think she isn't, because I don't know anything that could frighten that woman, it wouldn't be your sword. Because he tells him, you know, get dressed, take your sword, let's go. And Rand's like, uh, that's not allowed. We're going to the women's area, the women's apartments. We have to follow these rules. And lands like, F the rules, I'm going to give you a new set of rules. Yeah. Um, and Land starts to give him a ton of advice on everything, which uh, I love this little scene just because it, it, it shows you how much Land 
actually cares now about them I mean, because land's grown so much to these boys. Like uh, if you remember way back at Evans field, he had no time for them at all. Like it was kind of like, why are you even doing this? Like, why are you even here? Um, and, and it was very, very slow to warm up to them and then started trying to train them. And I think that's what started that bond, but still all the time, sheep herder, blacksmith, you know, was calling them, you know, <laughs> names and still does, but, but definitely Lance definitely taking on, uh, whether a fatherly or a big brother type of role here. And, uh, and trying Land to is honestly trying to help Rand out. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Kind of combining what he's teaching him now and what we get into in the next chapter. Um, obviously, obviously, Land's trying to help him out, but is it like what's his goal here? I think his goal is to, um, like help Rand out, have a little bit more standing in the room. I don't know if it's catch the Amberlin off guard but try to have enough confidence in pizzazz and what he's doing that he's not like just totally taken advantage of by these women in there, you know? And, and Lan obviously has a lot of experience now working mm-hmm. around Aes Sedai. So it, as much as he tries to stay out of it, he has to recognize the politics and the power struggles and, and whatnot that's going on. And, whether whether Land knows everything that's going on in the background, or if if he just kind of has an idea, uh, he's trying to set Rand up for success in the best way possible. He's like, look, they might roll their eyes at you, whatever, but they'll respect this more than you just stumbling in there like a buffoon, you know. So let me give you a few tricks. Let me give you a few bows, this, that, and the other, some phrases to say, and you know, it'll it'll make them respect you a little bit more. Sprinkle water yeah. a little bit, say this, say that, do this. <laughs> and, 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 and Rand starts asking a ton of questions about what does it mean? And Land's like, just do it. Uh, we'll fi- I'll tell you what it means later, yeah. but just, 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 we'll figure that out later. Just, just do it <laughs> for right now. We don't have time for me to explain all that stuff to you. And then, uh, and then you have this nice scene at the very end where Land puts a cord on Rand with a manethrin pin on it, uh, the red eagle, um, and um, has it kind of ends with one of my favorite quotes from land from these chapters. And actually one of my favorite quotes you know, up to this point, in the whole series. Um, I don't know if you guys like this quote as well, but there's one rule above all others for being a man. Whatever comes face it on your feet. You know what that reminded me of? I hate to always take this to sailing, but you can't run from the wind. You got it. Or you can't run from the wind or whatever. You got to trim the sails and, yeah. face the storm sort of thing but mm-hmm. solid advice you, you can't you can't cower when you're in front of this this type of authority yeah. and this much power and you know you have to recognize you have a significant role to play as well and you got to stand on your two feet man and that's kind of, and that's kind of the end of this chapter so um anything else we missed or anything mm. probably a lot yeah, probably a whole lot. But anything you guys might talk well, since about. Since you said that, it's like how much did we actually miss? What more can we say? I know there's plenty. There's always plenty. Seven years from now, when you guys go through uh, uh, your reread, um, so like, oh wait, all there was stuff. something important behind that door being slammed. <laughs> yeah, you can understand exactly. later, so long as you remember now. God, that's just it's it's just so much. Yeah. Literally drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> Like before, Land was like, "Aren't you leaving?" 
And then yes. Amlin shows up. He's like, well, you should have left. And then all of a sudden it's, well, we're here. Now you're going to do it. So you need to do all this crap. You know, love it. All right. Moving on to chapter eight, the dragon reborn. And of course the icon is the dragon's fang. So, um, yeah, let's talk about the title. I don't know if there's a whole lot to talk about, but it's uh, definitely, a, I guess there is some stuff to talk about because it's, 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 it's very, very straightforward. <laughs> But at the same time, a lot. Uh, so i i should have I should have listened to how I talked about it at the end of the last episode. But I mean, I going into it, there was a feeling that there would be some sort of confirmation that Rand Rand is the Dragon Reborn. Uh, the way it went about is not what I thought would happen. Uh, I, this keeps happening to me. Like I have kind of an inkling that on the surface is somewhat true. And then I read the chapter and I'm like, man, didn't see that coming, uh, <laughs> which it makes for good reading actually. So, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I was thinking, uh, he would intentionally channel the power and like on his own, grab him, you know, take control of what's happening to him. Um, but no, it's, it's affirmation from others that he's the one, but it's pretty significant affirmation. So, yeah, Chris, I put him to sleep. Let's start. Re- let's start going. <laughs> there we go. We talked about this. Oh. We talk about the the chapter. Here we go. All right. I'm like, we're here. We are finally here. We were finally at the point that we knew we would be at way back in book one. Right. Like we finally know that Rand is the man. Like we know that he's the Dragon Reborn. We've known this from the get go. Now let's. Let's get it started. All right. So, so Rand's walking extremely nervously towards the Amarillo seat. I mean, at this point, it's almost like he's walking to, like, from his point of view, he's pretty much walking to the gallows. I mean, that's how he's visioning this. I mean, he's he's super nervous, and everyone's you know cheering them on, kind of, sort of, you know, the Taishar, Malkir, uh, Taishar, Manethanarin, which uh, is old tongue. Um, they explained that, but uh, Taishar is. Uh, of course, Makir being for land and then with ran with his uh, red eagle uh, pen or pin uh, for Manetherin. Yeah, nudging um, a wink to that Manetherin thing. Nudging exactly. a wink, wink and a nudge. <laughs> yeah, and, and they get there, and Land tells uh, Rand to do cat crosses the courtyard stance, or and that's a it's a way that warders walk, uh, and I love the way he describes it, like ready to attack at any time, but almost like a saunter. Um, you would say, oh, it's pompous, but at the same time, cold, ready to attack. It's just a very, very um, interesting way of describing this. Yeah, it was weird. Back straight, but every muscle loose as if he hung fire Rand. at the top of his head. It was a relaxed, almost arrogant saunter. Relaxed on the outside, he certainly did not feel it inside. Like it's, uh, I don't know, like a contradiction there, but like I, I guess you described it best. Like you're you're ready to pounce, but at the same time, your back is straight and you're walking with a sense of pride. But you're still ready to take care of business if you need to. Uh, Rand's still thinking about trying to find a way out of this and thinking about hopefully that um, they'll be turned away because they're wearing swords. But they get there and the women are like, "Yeah, right. come on in." Huh. I love how like the. If you look at this and you look at Game of Thrones, cats are kind of like the 
the sword fighting animals that they chose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I just thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, I guess it fits because you have to be quick, you have to be nimble, you have to Dexterian. be witty. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to, yes, you have to appear calm at all time, even though you're always on edge. So, yep. I think it's pretty neat. Yep. I concur. Yeah. So they get there, and the woman just let them in. No problem with swords. Uh, not a problem at all. So come come right in, and they they reach the the ambulance apartment, and they get to the outside. There's several ice and eye out there, and and Rand's like you know at this point super super nervous. Uh, Leanna comes up and talks to him and says, "Hopefully a, a, a green doesn't bond you or bond him." Which uh... <laughs> when she says bonding, we're talking about the greens. Like, is it bond or this? You want to get some coffee bond? Like, what kind of bonding are we doing? Yeah, uh, Rand uh, announces himself and surprises the Aes Sedais, You know when he walks in. You know, but but yeah, Rand's still super nervous. So let's talk about this. <laughs> well, he's he's super nervous, but up until this point, he has Lan with him. So, mm-hmm. like we said before, he drank from the fire hose on everything he's supposed to do. Lan's able to kind of whisper guidance along the way. So up until this point, he's freaking out. But Lan is the man, is and Lan is with him. So he's he's hanging on to that thread of confidence up until now. And then they don't let Lan in. They say, nope, Lan, you have something else to do. You can't come in. Brand goes in by himself. So I'm wondering... So if all of the ceremonial pieces are a way to begin and end a conversation. Yeah. Ooh. Because, yeah. you know, as he goes through the different pieces of the conversation he was taught, he gave all the quote, like in my mind, right answers to get him out of the conversation. Because in the beginning he was invited to sit because it was going to be a long conversation. Mm-hmm. And then he started essentially quoting what he was told to quote. Right. And and before we get there, just talk about who's in the room. So when they get in this room, it's just Farron, Moraine, and, and Suwan. So it's just the three of them and Rand. Um, and like you said, now we get to this formal greeting and, and what Rand's been taught to say. And Suwan's really, really surprised. Like you can tell she's surprised by. They ran holding himself this way. As you have summoned me, mother, so I have come. I stand ready. <laughs> Do you now, boy? She sounded almost amused. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure they were thinking he was just gonna walk in and they were just gonna lecture him a little bit and bing bang boom. But he, you know, like I said earlier, Land gave him a little bit of ammo to give him some credit, you know? Mm-hmm. At this point, Rand's thinking he's going to be gentle, and Swan tells him to sit. And Rand says, "No, he'll stand, stand. You know, keep watch." I think is what he says. <laughs> the know, watch another... is not done. Yeah, yeah, the watch is not done. And, 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 and the ambulance email says, uh, "So Land's been teaching you, huh?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you have you Land Adam? <laughs> mm-hmm. And and they start just talking to each other like Rand's not even there, um, which would be really frustrating. Um, you know, as a kid, I, you know, this is, yeah, whenever adults would do this, it always would get me really, really upset because it's just like, why are you talking about me in front of me? You know, I'm right here. Talk to me. 
Um, See, the way I was raised is kids were to be seen, but never to be heard. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I was raised. It didn't mean it wasn't frustrating, but I was also raised that same way. Seen, but not yeah. heard. Which is, it, yep. that just made me want to be heard even more. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. And, and we learned a little bit more about the sword. Uh, apparently, Moraine's known a whole lot about Tan's backstory that, that Rand didn't even know. Um, oh, so. man. Talk about the ultimate moment of frustration. Like, we as readers knew all this, but putting myself into Rand's body at that moment, it was like the feeling of the most dumbfoundedness ever. It's like, yeah. huh, she duped me the whole time. She made me feel like I had decisions to make. She made me think. I had choices. I guess not. (laughs) Well, so now you got to reach. I I don't know if we'll ever have the explanation of how she knows this. Maybe she spoke to some of her brown Aja that just know shit. Or going back to the very beginning when she healed Tam, uh, we've with other people be able to pull information from them or at least she's attempted to. Uh, and she also has the ability to compel in, in some way. But is this information, as she was healing Tam, that she pulled out of his mind? And if that's the case, then you're right, Chris. Like, F. Moraine. Like, she was holding on to this info and not sharing it with Rand until this moment. Like, uh, it's a big punch of the gut. Or, or did she just figure it out recently talking to some of her sisters there? We don't know yet, but um, and then they kind of go right into saying, "Well, in a few hours, Ingtar is going to leave to go find the horn. Matt and Perrin are going with them. Do you want to go with them?" Um, that's what the one says. Uh, and Emma says, "Well, I'll be leaving as well, going to Tarvalid. It's up to you. You can stay here." Um, our, you know, Lord Algorithm Agamar <laughs> says you can you can stay as long as you like. Um, if you want to stay here, the choice is yours. Go or stay. Um. <laughs> And and Rand kind of starts thinking it through, and Rand says, you know, I'll ride with Ingtar. Um, and then she says, well, I know you can channel. And Rand just freezes right there on the spot in complete horror. Um, All right, but we got to back up. Yeah. We got to back up. You remember the – Chris, you remember the conversation uh, between Moraine and the Amalurin seat about Rand and how they can't quite – push him in any one direction he has to be able to choose they have to be careful how they handle him uh-huh. so they want him obviously to go with matt and i don't know how much they thought this through i'm assuming a bunch because they're conniving in, in a good way sometimes <laughs> but as as they're hashing this out in rand's mind you know she's saying i could go as i want is is that what she brought me here for Matt is dying, explanation mark. Like, that's his first thought. You know, which way are you trying to push me, I said, I Like, he, he's trying to question them, just like they said he would. But he's mm-hmm. like, burn me. I'll go another. But if Matt's <laughs> dying, I can't abandon him. So, like, they they set him up. But, uh, I don't know, at the same time, I, I'm also proud of him for not abandoning his lifelong friends. So Yeah, I mean, the will weaves. Mm-hmm. It... it and so it does. Mm-hmm. Not sometimes, but it just keeps weaving. Yeah, he, he wasn't really given an option. He, it was a, a deception. A, you, wait, option or 
a choice. 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 Wink. <laughs> Nudge. <laughs> I mean, at, yeah. at the end of the day, they already knew what he was going to choose to do. Lan pretty much just got him out of the situation early so he could handle other business that way. And I say he as in so that Lan could handle other business and so that Rand could handle their business. <laughs> And keep it moving. Yeah. Because right. if we've learned anything about Rand from this point or up until this point, he is all about his friends at the end of the day. And yeah. he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that Matt lives. So, you know, there's no question in it. He's going hunting. And if he just so happens to find the horn as well, that's great too. Bring it all back and we'll be good, good old friends in the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that loyalty sticks. That's pretty endearing. Uh, without that, then Rand becomes a giant douche. So, yeah. yeah. And then we get to the scene where the Emily tells Rand that she knows. I keep going first, so I kind of want to let Chris go. Be I'll say this: after that, in the in the margin, I wrote WTF. Like this, this is this is where everything up until this point seemed like okay, that's fitting into what I thought might could happen. I did not see this happening. I didn't think they would reveal how much they knew about him so quickly, and and from the Amberlin seat, like the top of Tarvalon is telling them, yeah, we know. Yep. WTF? WTF mates? Didn't see that coming. You know that that part didn't surprise me like I think what got me more was how Moraine keeps making the statements I told you the truth I told you the truth I told you the truth no you neglected to tell the full truth you told all the truth that you want to tell like I'm reading maybe I'm reading too far into some of the things that I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because before we get there, he says, I don't want to channel. He freezes, he fumbles around. He says, you know, I don't want to touch touch the source. I don't want to channel. Um, and, um, and she says, well, you better learn to channel. <laughs> that's what she says. He's like, well, how am I supposed <laughs> to learn to channel? Yeah, that's what Rand's response is. And, um, there, I get the same answer again. That uh, no Aes Sedai can teach you. Um, so, pretty much a non-answer. Uh, you get to learn, but no one's going to teach you. Got to figure it out. Like to be honest with you, I, I did not highlight any of that interaction between the Amberlin seat and Rand because it was all statement of what we already knew. And Rand, like his reaction, it was just like. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Like, if she wanted you dead, do you think she would have let you march in with a sword, pretty much unattended? Like, she already knows what the deal is. You're the one that's still trying to catch up on everything. So I, I just, none of that really stood out to me. And so, like, I just... It didn't seem important. Like, we all know that he can channel. We all know that he's the power. She knows it. We know she knows it. And he's assumed for a while that she knew it. 
I think the thing so, that really caught him off guard was the fact that she's okay with it. Right. It Yes, okay with it, but so here's I I know they make it seem like uh the Emerlin and Marine everybody <laughs> they're just saying matter of factly like yeah we know and this is what you need well these are your choices here's your options i mean i'm going to do this whatever you choose what you want to do just let us know but they're still maybe not moraine so much but the others are listening to his responses and how he responds and i think the most important response um is right after she talks about the channeling and he says no i can't i mean i didn't do it on purpose it just happened. I I don't want to channel the power. I won't ever do it again. I swear it. And when we talked about it before, they were looking for someone that uh, – and maybe, Alan, you know off the top of your head how it was phrased better, but they don't want somebody that wants it. It's like whoever's going to be the dragon can't do it for selfish reasons, for – um. I think what it's more, was the gist of that? Can't do it for glory, I guess. I, I, I can't remember what. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Well, Some, whatever the, glory. Yeah. Right. So his, his hesitation there is probably actually a bit reassuring to these other Aes Sedai and, and the Amarillin to, okay, we, we know it's true. We're, we're taking Moraine for her word that he has channeled. And he's now admitted to it, kind of, but he's very reluctant. He doesn't want to. Uh, and maybe it's not a humility thing. Maybe it's just him being afraid of it. But he's he's not full on into it. Like, yeah, motherfuckers, I can channel. Check this shit out. What the shit yeah. I can do. And like whips out a lightsaber just to demonstrate. You know, I think that would have made them change their plans completely. But his hesitation, the way he responded, I think was important to them. Yeah. And, and I, I love this next scene too because the Isidai's quote are, are I think Moraine Arsawa camera quotes the whole entire you can't teach a fish uh, to yeah, fly as much as This is my then, favorite part of the whole thing then, too. <laughs> it says, I told you the truth, Rand. Those who could not teach you the male Isidai are 3,000 years dead. No Isidai living can teach you to touch Sadin any more than you could learn to touch Sidar. A bird cannot teach a fish to fly, nor a fish teach a bird to swim. And then Viren cuts in, I've always thought that was a bad saying. There are birds that can dive and swim, and in the sea of storms are fish that can fly with long fins that stretch out as wide as your outstretched arms and beaks like swords that can pierce. So this is where my prediction or my thought comes into play. Viren is definitely going to travel with Rand and she's going to teach Rand using her prior knowledge of what has been written because you're right there may not be any Aes Sedai alive that can teach but maybe he can learn how men channeled through written facts mm. and maybe yeah. Viren is going to be the one that translates the writing for him like, here's what it says that men did to channel the power. And maybe she can help influence and teach him how to channel. Or at the very least, get him started. Exactly. Yeah. It, 
like her references, like, you know, uh, a bird can't swim perfectly and a fish can't fly perfectly, but they can give you kind of the gist so that you can do it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, without dying, <laughs> which is important here. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, Rand starts to seek the void, um, you know, the, the, the void of the flame, and the cal- then calms him down, you know, because this point he's getting super nervous. Obviously, they know you can channel. I get it. <laughs> they might kill you right here. Um, and and Rand says, um, well, why haven't you gentlemen me yet? And the Amelin looks him dead in the eye and says, because you're the Dragon Reborn. <laughs> and, the, and, I mean, I can just picture this scene, like, completely nonchalantly, just like, because, obviously, because you're the Dragon Reborn. And it just shakes Rand's entire world. I mean, the void rocked. The world yeah. rocked. Everything seemed to spin around him. He concentrated on nothing, and the emptiness returned. The world steadied. No, mother, I can channel. The light helped me, but I am not rowling at Darkspain. Or, I'm not going to pronounce that name. Yeah. <laughs> you can kill naming- me or kill starts- me or let, go, let me go, but I will not be a tame false dragon on a Tarvalon leash, which he starts Bam. naming the people that the Alzheimer. Yeah. That's a red flag. Yeah. And, you know, they mentioned immediately they raised suspicions like, well, who taught you those names? Because Tom did. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, motherfuckers. <laughs> you, know, you know, Tom, he's gleaming, it's dead, even though I think it says that uh, Maureen thinks he's not or something. Yeah. Sense, but... Maureen, Ian, and Chris think he's still alive. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because he's in love with Maureen. They're going to get together. <laughs> Where's that White's come from? Gonna, Tom the White's <laughs> gonna swoop in. I, yeah, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, fantasy fix that they do. Um, you know how they, once you get into like Harry Potter or when you get into Lord of the Rings or any anime, you always get the the fan fictions. So this is my new fan fiction. Tom okay. the White's gonna swoop in and come and pick up Moraine. <laughs> Oh, oh man, <laughs> you've got me. Up now. Uh, who's right. that? Who's We're that really serious. famous? Who's the really famous male porn actor? Uh, I don't even know. Um, oh shit! But now he looks like super, one? super old, and he's like balding up front, but still long hair. He almost looks like the penguin, but uh, yeah, they Roger, John Jeremy. That's what that's Ron yeah. Jeremy. Okay, so <laughs> Tom the White is actually Ron Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that's true. <sighs> picture I got when he once he mentioned anime and Tom, I was like, ah, shit! I can't not picture this now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Yeah, um, he says. Amos says, "No, you are the true, true dragon." He says, "Moraine, go and tell him the true story," and the story begins. And, yeah, <sighs> the Aiel came over the spine of the world, uh, the Dragon Wall, and the final battle was fought outside of Tarvalid. Um, and then Tam's voice starts coming back, and you know they came over like a flood. Um, you know, like the the Aiel did. You know, the T- Tam's fever dream talk. Yeah, well, her story um, is lining up with Tam's explanation what sounded like gibberish from tam you match it with what's being told now and it's it's almost word for word like it, it makes sense right now. 
and you see, you know, Moraine was just was was something called accepted. Uh, I think it's the first time we've heard that term. Not I said I yet. Um, and the Keeper Chronicles uh, was there, uh, and she had a foretelling um, uh, that the uh, that the prophecy said that the dragon would be reborn on Dragon Mount, uh, were loose there and had died. And then the Keeper Chronicle had a foretelling saying, you know, ter- you know, terrified, saying he's born again. He breathes, you know, he breathes back, and then she dies. Um, it's kind Tam's of this- gibberish, slope of the mountain, heard a baby cry, gave birth there alone before she died. Child blue with the cold. Mm-hmm. Well, it still doesn't give much in regards to his lineage. All it, the only thing that it gives is the fact that he was born on Dragon Mount. But that mm-hmm. still doesn't prove anything. How do we know there weren't other kids born there? I mean, yeah. Well, Rand, Rand, Rand starts to know that that it's just because it matches up with Tam's story. He's he starts to think that it's true, but he just won't self admit it that it's true. Like cause everything they're yeah. saying is matching up with Tam's story, and Moraine never got that fever dream story. So this is a separate account matching up completely with what Tam had said in the fever dream. Mm-hmm. Um. And and she says, you know, she found three boys that had been born within a week of the battle, um, all you know, and and one of them could channel. So, and then yeah. Rand still still denial goes. Do you think Trollocs came all the way to Evans Field because you're Tavirin? You are the Dragon Reborn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I can I possibly somewhat admit something here that's a little sad for me? Go for it. And I just, whew, this is going to be tough, so it might take me a second to get out. Um, after reading this, uh, whew, try not to cry. Uh, it's possible that Tam didn't travel through time. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, it, man. I just, I might have been wrong with that. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> hold on. Let me sip my let me sip my beer for a second. And regroup myself. <laughs> Why would you just travel a couple of years? Like it was twenty years ago. I mean, would he travel? It says he will be of ancient blood, raised by the old blood. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Tam is Chris. I'm glad that you care about my feelings, but I just need to, I need to accept this. And uh, I'm going to chug my beer now, and you let me know when you're ready, Alan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love the imagery here. Rand's knees gave way. He dropped to a squat, hands slapping to the rug to catch him from falling on his face. The void was gone. The stillness shattered. He raised his head, and they were looking at him. The three eyes to die. Their faces were serene, smooth as unruffled ponds, but their eyes did not blink. And then his stubborn ass, my father is Tam Althor, and I was born. They stared at him unmoving. They're lying. I am not what they say. Some way, somehow, they're lying, trying to use me. And it's like, I will not be used. 
and then probably the most important reference to sailing here for you guys. Yes, I, I underlined it. Hit it. An anchor is not deemed by being used to hold a boat, the Emerlin said. You were made for a purpose, Randolph Thor. When the winds of Tarman Gildan, is that right? Gaiden. Tarman Gaiden. Scour the earth, he will face the shadow and bring forth light again in the world. The prophecy must be fulfilled, or the Dark One will break free and remake the world in his image. The last battle is coming, and you are born to unite mankind and lead them against the Dark One. Shazam! Yeah. What I feel like... World? Okay, yeah. you've, men- you've mentioned that Jordan thought he would write three, maybe four books. Yeah, so, originally. Yeah. Right, so I get that maybe you could save this for the second book. But, like, I feel like this is something that really ought to have come out in the first book. I guess that's what was so – as much as I loved Eye of the World, that's what was frustrating about it is even at the end, we still didn't really know, like, what Rand was effing going to do and what his true purpose was. Like, there was no way it was just that last little teeny battle with Beelzebub. Like, that that wasn't it. Yeah. And now we're – 140 pages into this next book and we finally get it. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a tease, Jordan. What a tease. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, you know, he's trying to convince himself, you know, that it's, it's not true. And I think they say, you will either save the world or we will all die. And, and Brand starts, you know, but Balzaman's dead. You know, that's his response. Um, and they tell him that, no. <laughs> <laughs> If you believe that, you are as much a fool as the Domini. Many there believe he is dead, or say they do, but I notice they still won't risk naming him, which flashback to his conversation with Nynaeve, and he was so confident he was dead, named him, and then got shook by the Dark One. And, yeah, tells him that um, he can go now with no fear. Um and says, you know, why? Because the prophecies must be fulfilled. And kind of, kind of what sp- are you going to do with me? Yeah. He says, I will not be used. Um, you know, keeps him going on that. But, you know, Rand ends up leaving. Um, and Sawan, Varen, and Moraine discuss the meeting. Kind of have a, you know, post, post-meeting post recap. <laughs> <laughs> it's like necessary. He is strong and as stubborn as you say, Moraine. Much stronger than I expected. We may have to gentle him after all before her eyes widen, but we cannot, can we? The prophecies, the light forgive us for what we are losing on the world. So she has fully accepted her role now Mm -hmm. in this whole thing and the way it's going to play out. And it's all based on these prophecies. Right. So, So before we do a character switch, which we're about to do, any, I mean, this is a whole lot, and I'm sure we missed a whole lot. I think we also missed uh, Sawan's first fish metaphor, um, which, um, if you if you haven't gathered, we get lots of those. <laughs> any any thoughts about this, Ian, Chris? Just in general. In general, before we move on, or 
so the the only other thing uh I had circled uh was this paragraph uh who was speaking there dun, 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 dun. Well, they say the prophecies must be fulfilled we will let you walk free knowing what you are because otherwise the world we know will die and the dark one will cover the earth with fire and death that's our um, emerald see that's at that yeah. Yeah. And then in in the corner I wrote utilitarian um which, which is important to know about I I guess both Moraine and the Amerlin, you know, they both admitted that what they're doing is like, you know, they they could be stilled for it. It's probably like one of the craziest things that an Aes Sedai's done before. But mm-hmm. they're looking at the prophecies and the bigger picture. And from a utilitarian standpoint, yes, the dragon reborn coming back and everything they're doing, there's going to be some death. There's going to be some people getting messed up. Shit's going to hit the fan. But in the big picture, that's still better <laughs> than what will happen if they they don't if, – if he's not reborn, if he doesn't fulfill his destiny. Right. So I guess that's more important uh, – to know about uh, the Amberlin seat and Moraine and, and their motivations. So <laughs> not everybody's utility. drove those motivations who put those thoughts in their mind though. Ah, that's true. But there's many people out there that will save a close loved one and let a hundred people die versus saving a million people. And you know, your brother has to die. The, true. Yeah. Utilitarianism sounds simple, but when you put it in that perspective, like if the one is the person you love the most versus a bunch of people you don't know, that's tough. Uh, so that actually gives credit, I think, to – I guess it's the Amberlin Seat who says this. <laughs> yep. You know, her her dedication to the prophecies and mankind, man and womankind, people kind, whatever we're supposed to say these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so now we switch to Nynaeve, uh, which I think is just going to be, Chris, uh, what, uh, I thought you'd be excited about this scene. So yeah, so now we switch characters and we go to Nynaeve. Um, Nynaeve feels a storm coming, but it's something wrong about the storm. Like, it's a blue sky outside, and she knows it's not like a real storm. It's it's like a feeling, and it's really weird, and she doesn't really know what's going on. Um, you know, she does... obviously she's worried about it because it has to do with the power um, because Moraine taught her that, um, you know, those kind of things. But um, so what do you guys think about this, this feeling of a storm coming? So then you had felt more comfortable with the ability before learning it was a manifestation of the power, which is really cool. But she said the storm was coming, but she wasn't sure what the storm was. You know, I'm wondering what Nynaeve's, innate ability is going to be because they all have had some type of special something or another like is she Mm -hmm. able to predict like doom or demise or like what (laughs) like is she able to predict the future a little bit like what is going to be her thing Mm -hmm. like that's the first thought that came to my mind was every time she's kind of predicting an event before it happens it's not a clear picture it's just like you said a feeling but maybe as she grows and she matures she'll actually be able to see the future sure. i don't know so in 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 books past book past um 
when we see Nynaeve's stubbornness, we don't get to hear what's going on in her in her head. Um, and a couple of little blips here of what's going on in her head actually makes me appreciate her thought process way more than someone like Rand. Rand, in his mind, is just a whiny little bitch sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nynaeve here... She's trying to reconcile what's going on, like, okay, the weather's actually nice. It looks nice out, but in like I feel this storm. There's a presence of it. And then in her mind it says, there is a storm and there isn't. It means something, but what? So at least she's accepting the facts of what's happening. She sees there's these two things that don't seem to reconcile. And it's obviously a, another depth, another level. Mm-hmm. Um that that she hasn't really dabbled in before because she knows there's a storm, but she knows there isn't a storm and she's trying to figure it out, but she's not denying what's going on. Like yeah. Rand does all the time. Yeah. And she sees Rand and she thinks Rand's part of the storm. Um, kind of puts that together. And then she starts going, oh, I should protect him. I am his wisdom. I think I still am his wisdom. You know, she starts, uh, you know, she starts, you know, am I still a wisdom? You know, she has this whole entire internal dialogue about you know i you know i, I haven't been gone that long right I, I need to go back to evans field and be the wisdom that's what i'm supposed to do but i'm going to tarvala become an ice die like what's she's you can she's at a crossroads right now and definitely you can feel this internal struggle or or see it on the pages <laughs> um between her old life and what lies ahead um and this continues on through this next interaction or through the rest of this chapter but uh, do you think uh, one of the questions I had? Do you think she will go back to be wisdom? I don't know that she'll be able to. I mean, just the intensity of her quote-unquote storms—the storm felt distant, too far off for her to feel at all. Yet it felt as if the sky above should be pouring down rain and snow and hail, all at the same time, with winds howling to shake the stone of the keep. And she could feel the good weather too, lasting for days yet but there was muted under the other. Like, she's becoming more and more inept about her feelings and allowing herself to really, what's the word? I don't want to say, like, accept the power, but she's not She's not against it, but she's not completely accepting of it. She's just kind of realizing that it has its use. I think that becomes the danger because She's starting to realize that there's power to be gained. Mm-hmm. So I don't see her ever wanting to turn back and be a regular wisdom when here's an opportunity to be so much greater. Right. And to also get her questions answered. She's just like, there is a storm and there isn't. It means something, but what? She's just naturally curious. Right. And then she sees land. And we get this wonderful interaction. Uh, I know, I know, Chris, you, you, you've been waiting for something like this. I yeah, have been so much. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. Said he's too tall for one thing and old enough to be my father for another. A man with a face like that would have to be cruel. No, he's not that. Never that. He was a king. His land was destroyed while he was a child. And he would not claim a crown, but he was a king for that. What would a king want with a village woman? 
he's a warder too, bonded to Moraine. She has this loyalty to death and ties closer than any lover. And she has him. She has everything I want. The light burn her. So like there's this huge jealousy between the mm-hmm. two. And I want to know if that's going to grow into anything larger. Like, how do you free or can a warder be just like released from his eyes to die to serve another? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> because All right. Thanks so, for the yeah. answers, Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good question. That's a, that's a good question. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe not ever. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, so uh, Lan wants to talk to Nynaeve and Nynaeve doesn't really want to talk to Lan because they've already talked. You know, I said, We've, you said everything you needed to say back in the blight. You know, I don't need to talk to you. And, and you know, Lan pretty much shuts her up and pushes, places into her palm a big fat ring. Um, and pretty much like a dowry. I mean, that's the way it's, I mean, I look at it, but um, gives him, gives her the the signet ring of Malkir. So the quarterback of the football team gives his high school ring to uh, the president of the National Honor Society girl. And chess club and, member. And chess club member. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> And then, and then Christmas happens perfectly, and now we have a Hallmark Christmas movie. And, yeah. uh... <laughs> well, it is kind of cute. He's like, it is nothing old and useless now, but there are those who would know when they saw it. Show that, and you will have guest rights and help if you need it. From any lord in the borderlands, show it to a warder, and he'll give aid or carry a message to me. Send it to me or a message marked with it, and I will come to you without delay and without fail. This I swear. And so we know that there's power behind giving your word. And I don't think warders are allowed to do that lightly, especially a king cannot give his word lightly. So he is 100% game about his woman. So that was super cute. And then he we, called her Mashira. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. I think so. It's all tongue. Yeah. Yeah. So that, which, that concept, Mashira, which means beloved of heart and soul, that says it all. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we get a little look into how, I'll say people in general, because it's not a guy-girl thing, because there's, even in guy-guy relationships, girl-girl relationships, you see this. It's, it's, some people are raised or taught to look at love very differently. So how does Lan show his love? It's not giving a symbol of his love through his ring. When he gives this ring to her, it's because even though they can't be together, it's his way to be able to protect her and offer her safe haven and help even when he's not there. Uh, but mm-hmm. from her perspective, it seems to be more of a, a symbol of love, a bonding, uh, whatever. And she's, Oh, I can't take this land. This must be so special to you. But to him, it's, you know, the material part of it means nothing. The fact that it, 
came from his family or the, the Malkiri kings, not that significant for him. It's this is how I can love you from a distance because I I know we can't be together. Mm-hmm. So they, they just they they interpret it very differently, and it doesn't matter how much he tries to explain his perspective. She takes the receiving of it differently, and that's just yeah. that's love for you. Rarely on the same page, right? Yep. <laughs> and then Lan has to go because they're leaving, and he has to go get things ready. And she turns around and runs right into Moraine, and immediately's like, "How much did you do that? Did you hear?" Moraine's <laughs> like. Not long enough to hear anything I should not have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's like, we'll be leaving soon. I, I heard that. that. You must get to packing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, not even immediately says, you know, wants to know what happened to Rand. I heard Rand was called the air balloon. And Rain says, well, all three boys will go. Um, talk to her. They're Tavirin. They want to see Tavirin. Uh, Rain let her know that three boys will be leaving with Ingtar and they're going to hunt for the horn. Um, and then Nadine gets super angry says, you know, boys, you know, the, you know, you're the cause of all these problems. They are more than old enough to be off apron strings, Moraine said dryly. <laughs> and you know very well why you can never do that. For one of them, at least. Besides, it would mean leaving Egwene to go to Tarvalon alone. Or have you decided to forgo Tarvalon yourself? If your own use of the power is not schooled, you will never be able to use it against me. <laughs> what a twisted yes. way and it's she's so direct with it and in her face but you know what that's still she reads Nynaeve very well that's still a motivation for her Right. we just read about it how like she was pissed at well jealous but jealous angry towards Moraine because of land like that, that was a good little nudge that was a good little dagger in the side yeah and yeah. Nynaeve denied it, of course. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Nynaeve keeps on pressing about Rand, one of our questions, but Rand just kind of brushes them off, like, not a lot, but like, oh, I'm not going to answer your questions, and switches the conversation to, uh, or it just, like I said, just brushes off anything that, anything that the. That, yeah, she's like, what possible interest could the Amelin seek, or Amelin have in a shepherd, of course? If he were brought to her attention in the wrong way, he might be gentle or even killed. He is what he is, after all. It, it was more of a warning than mm-hmm. anything else. That's I how I read it. Don't yeah. slip up. I got this under control. I'm working every angle I need to work. As long as you keep your mouth shut. <clears throat> yep. Just keep your mouth shut, essentially. Yep. <laughs> or else he's well, going to be killed. Well, right now we're all excited. Well, I'm excited um, because the Amerlin, Moraine, and our one other Aes Sedai, our brown Aes Sedai, our brown Aja. Ver- Ver- uh, yeah, Varen. So they had this conversation with Ran, and they're all in on it. And so Ran is like, holy cow, all these powerful Aes Sedai are like they know, right? And I'm going to go do stuff with my powers. But they're the only ones. And we have to remember, outside of that circle, there's still plenty of Aes Sedai that would gladly emasculate Ran in a second. Or, uh, not emasculate, what's the word they use? Gentle. 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 Yeah. 
So I, I think this is kind of the very heavy hint that Moraine's given her, like, uh, as of right now, he's okay, but if you run your mouth and try and mess shit up, uh, everything can unravel really quickly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So after this, we switch to Egwene, and Egwene's going through her clothes, and Nadeep comes in and you know, asks her if she's ready uh, to go, because at this point, you know, it's time to go, and Egwene knows... Uh, that Nynaeve's been thinking about Lan, kind of sees right through Nynaeve. Um, and Nynaeve, and it calls her wisdom. And I love this little see, this scene because Nynaeve says, I don't think she'd call me wisdom anymore. Um, and I think this is Nynaeve. We you know we talked about it earlier in the chapter, her struggling with, is she still the wisdom? And this is kind of her coming to terms with, I'm going to Tarval and I'm going to train as an Aes Sedai. Maybe I'm not a wisdom anymore. Like, <laughs> that's how I, I saw it like reading through it I know it's more on the surface level it's just we're not in the Emmons field so you shouldn't call me wisdom if I'm not in the Emmons field but I think it's I think it goes deeper than that yeah I agree I think it goes much deeper it goes into the character development in regards to our our the coming of age I guess is kind of how they yes. say it in English um, you know even our wisdom was still young and she mm-hmm. was accepting her responsibilities at home, but now that she's no longer there, she's having to redefine herself. And so now she's going through feelings and emotions that she probably would have already had she not been selected as the wisdom. Right. And then True. you've got Egwene who realizes the struggle that Nynaeve is going through and is like, you're going through what I've already been through with other people. Mm-hmm. So now, how can you be the wisdom when I'm wiser than you are in this matter? Bingo. Yeah. I, I think it's also a bit of a rites of passage for Egwene. I don't know if Nynaeve would have had this exact same conversation with Perrin or Matt or Ran if they called her wisdom. But right. with Egwene at this point, it was, it was, it, it was a little of both of Nynaeve realizing how she's transitioning and changing. And recognizing that, but also even if even if Nynaeve was still the wisdom of Edmund's field, Egwene is already surpassed that. She's already moving past that. She's at least equal to that and moving above and beyond. Exactly. So I think th- I think it's a nod to Egwene's growth, also. Yeah, and then it also talks about and gives a little bit more depth to land. Because we have now seen this interaction. We see that he's clearly in love, but he doesn't know how to get away from his responsibility. And then you have Egwene, who was kind of our aloof, ditzy girl in the beginning, who's now given this knowledge. Like, you know, she's got a guy who doesn't have enough sense to be worthy of her at all. She loves him, and I can see he loves her. So why can't he have a sense enough to speak up? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, also, in one of uh, one of the people, uh, one of the people from Faldar come in. Uh, one of the women does saying that Rand's trying to get into the apartment, and Egwene says, "I'll go talk to him." Um, you know, obviously, causing quite a stir. Rand's uh, down there, really upset. And as they're walking down, there's a little interaction where you know, uh, start asking Egwene about Rand, whether or not she's going to marry him. Yada yada yada. <laughs> and she's and she's thinking about it. You know, will she marry him? You know. 
Yeah, it's like, if not, he'll make a good husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just has to be trained. Yeah, then they have this whole training. Yeah, <laughs> that whole interaction. So, yeah, we can talk about that. Well, I mean, it, it just kind of shows how women in this society kind of run things in the house mm-hmm. and how, you know, once they find a good guy, they make sure he gets placed with a good, strong woman that can manage him, essentially. And it's like, right. we won't do anything with him if you're laying claim, but if you're not laying claim, he's free, free game. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they, they get to where Rand is, and Rand's down there arguing with Al Gamar and everybody else. They're trying to calm him down, and he's trying to fit himself, saying, I wasn't trying to go in. I just wanted to see her, and they were just being... You know, they they went to send a message saying, "Oh, she's busy." So I started yelling for her, and then they started freaking out. Like I'm not, <laughs> you know, he's trying to say like it basically doesn't. And Algram's like, "You don't know our ways, or you know." And the women's apartments, the women can take as many touch push as they want. Um, you know, it's up to you. <laughs> he's he's like, well, "We're about to leave. I got to say goodbye." You know, that's basically Rand's motivation. Um. And, you know, Algamar gives him a few, you know, uh, words of wisdom as well about when he does leave, uh, not to obsess over the horn, things like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then Egwene finally gets to Rand, and we have this another fun interaction uh, between two, <laughs> two individuals, Rand and Egwene, um, where they, they immediately start kind of bickering with each other. They do, but it's, again, that power sh- there's no real power struggle here. Rand is hopeless. He's like, you know, the minute he wants to make a, a snippy comment, uh, mm-hmm. Wayne's like, you know what? I can just turn you over and we can be done with this conversation. So, Bam. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And Rand almost let slip that the, that the Amelin already knew. If you, I don't know if you caught that, but he almost says it. Um, Tells that that the Amberlin, you know, knows, but he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so th- those little bits still frustrate me. Maybe we'll find out more of the reasons why Moraine and them insist that Rand not tell his closest friends and childhood friends. But up until this point, uh, I'll still stand by. It. If I were in Rand's shoes, I would have already confided in Egwene. Perrin, Matt, and well, maybe not Matt. He probably would have been the last to be brought in. <laughs> but uh, even even the wisdom, Nynaeve, I like everybody would be all on the same page. That would be my core team. And very easily, Rand was convinced to keep a lot of people out of uh, a lot of truths. So I don't like that part. Yeah. Rand's a bit of a puss. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And so they had this little bickering, like an old married couple, and Egwene tells them that she will be Aes Sedai and will help him. Um, and and Rand, it kind of ends with Rand say, you know, asking Egwene, promise she just won't choose the Red Asha. Um, so, you know, going back, I guess this is harkening all the way back to... Oh, and there's but, also the I love you. Let's oh, not yes. skip that. Yeah. Yes, but this is hearkening back to all the way to towards the beginning of Eye of the World when Egwene first tells Rand that I'm going to be at Aes Sedai 
and Rand's super pissed about it. Um, you know, and, and, and this is kind of taking all this time to finally, I, I feel like this is him finally accepting that saying like, okay, well, if you're going to do it, please tell me you're not going to be Red Asha. Like, and then they cry and embrace and say goodbye. And yes. There's the little, I love you. And, and it ends with, with, uh, uh, Egwene saying, you know, take care of yourself. <laughs> At least thinking, thinking it. You wool headed lummox. Yeah. You wool headed lummox. You part out. You nerf herder. <laughs> yeah, these, these these women these women so far in both books are just very negative towards and condescending towards men. I was gonna say that. So kind just like yeah. 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 Tis what it is in this world, I guess. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so yeah, so final thoughts on these two chapters. I need more of this. Okay. There was just well, a a lot emptied on us. Sure. <laughs> well, before we start off, I'm going to try to do well, two things. One at the top of the next chapters a little bit. Before I do that, one thing I started doing on Twitter, you guys, I know Chris sometimes retweets and, and likes some things on Twitter. I think, Ian, you're not even on Twitter. But, um, but one thing I started doing is doing a poll. Um, and I might do it after record, just before we released, but uh, this time I did it before we recorded about who your favorite ca- character was from these chapters. Um, you know, kind of go through each each episode we do and pick out a favorite character. Um, and people voted on it, so I'm interested to see who you thought your favorite character or um, what your thoughts were on that. Um, and I'll tell you what Twitter thought. <laughs> <laughs> That'd so, be interesting. So the question was, we recorded the episode tonight for the Great Hut uh, for chapter seven and eight. Who do you think Chris and Ian's favorite character for these chapters will be? I gave it four options. So if you pick one of the, one of the people that's not one of the four, then I can just write back and say, it. I know nothing. I'm John so Snow. one for each <laughs> chapter or just one between the two chapters? One between the two chapters. Uh, well, Varen, hands down. Varen. Oh, that's not fair. Uh, okay. I, I had to say it before you did. <laughs> <laughs> So Varen? Well, Varen yeah. is my first, I guess my second would have to be that's, I think that's the, I love the way Moraine is kind of navigating all this, so she would have to be my second favorite. Okay. I would have said the same thing, and almost for the same reasons. You said navigate, which is about right. Remember, things changed in the last couple of chapters. Her plans had to change and shift, and she went from, holy shit, what are we going to do with Matt? Oh, my gosh. The whole plan for the horn is out the window. But she very quickly regrouped, got a new plan, and still managed to push Rand in the right direction. So I agree. She's my number two for <laughs> her navigating through this crap. So I, I didn't give Moraine as one of the options, so that's my uh, bad. Well, but I did, I did give Varen as one of the options, but Varen did not win the Twitter poll. Well, so, I bet you Lan probably won. Yeah, Lan won the Twitter poll. Yeah, Everybody thought I was going to say Lan. Lan is my number three, but I mean, yeah. let's be real. Lan's role was well, so major small. and minor. Like I, here's yeah, my I mean, thought. It was short, and you have the coaching Rand in the, in the first chapter. But yeah, well, yeah, and like that's what I was say. Like he coached Rand. He got Rand out of that conversation really quickly. He, you know. He gave Rand, you know, this cord with the emblem so 
is kind of backing him, like never, ever give up on the fact that you are raised by Manethra and blood, no matter what you're told. So he's fortifying or should have fortified Rand's emotions and helps him to come to terms with what he's being told. And then we find Land gets some character depth by expressing care and love and admiration. And then he gives this powerful tool, he gives this ring mm-hmm. to the love of his life. And I'm saying that outright because yeah. that, though it may not be important to him the way it should be, anybody else that sees it knows what it means. Right. And so he's essentially given some protection um, to Nynaeve that she wouldn't normally have had. So, you know, it kind of, it also helps with my conspiracy theories about them getting together and about them having beautiful babies and so on and so forth. But we won't even go into that. He was definitely my number three. Sure. Well, Varen, I think, is the right answer. I mean, Varen's awesome in this chapter. In these, yeah, in these two, but especially this first chapter, like, mm-hmm. oh, man, she was she was way ahead of both the Ermelin and Moraine. Like, yeah. you got to give some credit to that. There's props there. Oh, yeah. And 20, 20 years in the planning. <laughs> and big brass ball, the way she just told them, just kapow. Like, oh, well, yeah. one of the boys you got with you is uh, he's channeling. And uh, obviously, with all these prophecies here, you must think he's a dragon reborn. So, yeah, I'm in. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next two chapters we're going to do, um, these aren't really that – that I, I like the name of one of them. But the, uh, the other one kind of just speaks for itself. So the first chapter is Leave Takings. Um, we've, this, we've had that before, uh, that chapter title on the first book when it left Emmons field, that chapter was leaves taken. So this is the mm-hmm. second time we've used that. Then the next chapter we're doing is the hunt begins. Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. so yeah. So we have leave takings, but the symbol is. Oh, the flame of tar- the flame, flame of tar- tar- line. So this is our, this is our, I, I guess our females leave first, Egwene and them head on to Tarvalon. That's what and I'm then thinking. the hunt begins. Our our boys in Ingtar deuce out in the next chapter, and they go get our horn. Yeah, yep. well, they go searching for the horn. I don't think they'll get it in this book. That's coming. Wow, up <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> All right, so I'll go ahead and do my little sign off. So, um, how we can be found? Uh, the, the wheel reads on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, more active on Twitter than anywhere else, but um, I've, I've been a little bit more on Facebook as well. So hit me up there. Instagram, I've been slacking on. I just need to start doing my little previews again. I was doing a good job on putting out the the pre episode like little little teasers, but um, uh, just with vacation and catching up and going back to work, I'll get back on it. So next this week I'll do something. Um, and then yeah, uh, the little me- reads. Teaser, Alan. Yeah, yeah, give a teaser. Uh, so, uh, oh. the wheel at gmail.com is our email address. Um, you can email us anytime. Uh, most of the time, I'm just getting notifications from uh, Patreon, our anchor, or a bunch of other things that I, I'm working on through there. But you guys can email me, and I'll respond. Um, if you want a more 
better way of actually getting contact with me, um, you can just join Discord. Um, <laughs> yeah, Discord's the easiest way in the entire world to contact us, at least me. Um, Chris and Ian are both on our Discord as well. Um, they will respond if you tag them and, and have a question for them. Um, so if you want like a direct talk like way to connect with us, Discord is the best way. There's a link below to join our Discord's invitation. Feel free to come join us. Um, there's plenty of people in here. Uh, we have other content creators in here as well. So if you're a fan of you know um, uh, other content creators, they're on our Discord as well. Now, they might not respond to you on our Discord. They have their own Discords as well, uh, servers, but, uh, but they're there. So um, uh, just a fun place to interact with other fans of the series. Uh, please, for your first-time reader, please, please, your first-time reader, don't be discouraged by thinking about coming on Discord. Um, we do a good job of keeping spoilers away from first-time readers. Uh, we have special channels set up just for first-time readers, depending on what book you're on. Um, and we can block you from some of the full spoiler type stuff. We have a special role that we can assign to you so you're blocked from certain of those channels. If that's what you want, it's completely optional. Um, but it's a great space to kind of bounce your own ideas if this is your first time reading through it. And we'd love to have you, if you're following along, listen to us as a podcast, come to, come to the Discord and talk to everyone else as well. We'd, we'd love to have you. Um, also, I, I, I would have to talk about Patreon as well. Um, so I know I talked about the beginning of the episode, but you know, we have our Patreon. It's a great way to support us. It's actually, um, it's, it's the best way of supporting us. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that we do as far as, uh, uh, doing giveaways that comes from Patreon money. We're also looking at upgrading equipment, getting better microphones, uh, computers, things like that. Um, so the, the more we can generate some revenue, the better we can make this podcast for everyone else. Um, uh, we have not taken a single cent to our own name yet. Um, you know, who I can't say we never will, um, but but you know, at this point, it would be years before we ever do that. So uh, feel free to come on and um, uh, and, and and consider that. Um, we start at one dollar a month is the lowest level, so it's not like it's breaking the bank. Um, and there's cool benefits you get with all that as well. So also feel free to uh, like us, share us, uh, review us on any platform, whether it's Apple or Google podcast or our uh, Podbean. There's a ton of them that we're on, but whatever you listen to us on, if you can review us, like us, uh, share us, that just helps with other people uh, finding us as well. And that's about it for this week. Until next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the wheel of reads. See y'all next time.